This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. seated. God bless you. Good to see you today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this because I'm going to use it in just a few more. Whichever one you want to switch to, I can go to my headset. There we go. Uh, sorry, online, you're kind of going, what's going on? We're being psychotic in the building. Hey, we're, we're okay. See, Kevin's okay. Are you okay? I just want to ask you, are you okay? Uh, some of you look a little a bit concerning, you know, it's that th- face covering that you have over your face. It makes me wonder, are you really there? Uh, everyone kind of just do a sneaky peek and go smile. There we go. Hey, I like it. That makes me feel better. I don't feel so insecure and alone up here now. Uh, I want to thank Larry last week preaching the message on the yoke of prayer. I was at a powerful message. Amen. Yeah, he's not in the building, but let's, let's just support him anyway. Uh, that was good. We're, we thoroughly enjoyed it. I want to remind you tonight about Trunk or Treat at 6 o'clock. Everyone say trunk. trunk. Everyone say treat. You want to be here, be here at 6 o'clock. Maybe you are, if you're running a, a trunk, you want to be here sooner, and you already have an email about all that information, I hope. Um, and so that will be good information. We're going to have a good time handing out candy and dressing up as superheroes. But how many know that God is the biggest superhero in the world, right? And we're going to be celebrating him in all of this process. Uh, today we have a big announcement. How many saw that in your email, this big announcement? How many uh, saw it in your, on social media, big announcement? How many are just like guessing what it is already? Does anybody anticipate what that message is today? Uh, uh, I'm going to ask Allie to come stand by me up here. Uh, Allie is not pregnant. I told her that I was going to do that. And she goes, why would we put it out on social media that I'm pregnant? Well, because everyone's wondering when it's going to happen, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a, a really special announcement today, one that is really, really exciting in so many ways. There's been tears through the process, but there's been really, really exciting. Uh, Allie has felt the leading of God to step aside from children's ministry, and so she's going to be stepping aside from children's ministry into as young adults pastor. Uh, God's really spoke to her heart, and so we're like pumped about that aspect. So the big announcement today, there's a duel here in just a second. But first, before we get any further, I just want to, Allie, thank you. Uh, four years of service, faithful service. Amen. Yeah. Four years of faithful service. And she's all about the pink and the white. And so uh, we want to honor her with that. Uh, But this has been a process, and she has a passion for young adults. Um, In light of that, before we kind of go on to the next, as we go on to the next thing, I've been here going, what's happening to children? Never before in the history of Calvary Temple Relevant Life Church have we been able, we've had a lot of amazing volunteer youth workers, our children's workers. Amazing program, amazing heart, but never in the history of our church have we been able to invest into hire a children's pastor. So starting next Sunday, you're going to meet our new children's pastor. Her name is Sarah Haywood. Uh, so yeah, come on, let's give a shout out. Uh, she's saying goodbye to her, her uh, inner... Internship, there we go. I was going to say her intermission, her internship today uh, in, in another state in, or another city. And she's going to be coming. She'll be here tonight at our trunk or treat. But she's really excited to be part of us. Um, Allie, say a few words. Next week, you'll be able to meet her as well. Um, I just want to say thank you. 
everyone. It's been um, an absolute honor and privilege and joy just to serve as a kids pastor at RLC for the last four years. Um, I am, like he said, it's been a, it's been a mourning process. The summer I came to him and said, you know, I really feel like it's time to step out and step into something new. And that was all God's prompting and lots of conversations with my husband. And so, um, I'm super excited for what's ahead. And, and I also gave the opportunity to, for the first time ever invest in a kid's pastor. Um, and that is just a really big, um, momentum Yes. corner turning yeah. thing for RLC and our community. And so it's going to be a really exciting time. But if you're in the room and you've, you've served on my kids team currently or in the last four years with me, will you stand really quick? Um, just do that. Jaden, you too, because you serve in there. I just want to say thank you. Nathan, Nathan, um, we all did this together and I couldn't have done it without all of you and the people who are upstairs. So that's what I yeah. have to say. Cool. You, uh, so today we want to pray over Allie. We want to pray over this transition. We're going to pray over Sarah next week. I'll, I'll speak more about her next week. Today, this, th- we're here to honor Allie today and to thank her. So I want to make sure, would you please, we're giving her a gift of some flowers and a gift of her faithfulness. Uh, she has turned the team around. You guys have an amazing team. Like I said at our children's meeting on Wednesday night, they're the envy of, the, of every team leader in the church because they're so dedicated. And uh, I just want to encourage you. Thank you. You've made this a success. Uh, but Allie, thank you for leading. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your heart. And uh, make sure you express to her. She, the thing that's so awesome about this, in a healthy church, you can transition from role to role and the person never leaves, right? How, how many are glad that Allie's not leaving? Yes. I'm, I'm thrilled. Trenton's thrilled. Uh, uh, now he could leave and she could stay. I'm just kidding. No, uh, no, seriously, we're, we're, that's a healthy church that we can transition into a new role and grow with the process. And so uh, support us. I know that that might be a, a struggle for some, but just support us. Encourage as we go through this. God is doing something. This is good in the middle of a pandemic. This is good news. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for Allie. God, I thank you for my daughter. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint her as she steps from one, I, one, one ministry into another ministry. God, she's not losing her passion and her heart for children. God, she's just expanding to another generation. And so God, right now, we ask God for your blessings. God, thank you for her faithfulness. God, would you honor her for her faithfulness? Thank you for her team. God, we pray for this, this transition, God, that it would be filled with your presence. God, that you would be honored and glorified in her steps that she takes. God, would you prepare the way as you already have for the next steps to be taken in children's ministry. And God, we just ask again, God, for complete unity and a heart, God, that's moving forward. God, we thank you for the positive movement. And God, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yep, I love you. Come on, let's give her a round of applause. Good announcements, good announcements. You know, there's, it, it's hard when you are, there's a morning of a loss, but there's a celebration to go, no, this is pivotal in where we're, we've been. And if you've been with Relevant Life Church or Calvary Temple for the last 60 plus years, you realize that there's been a lot of volunteers that have stepped into kids ministry, but we've never had anybody that's been hired on as a, as a position that is a steady position. And so you'll, if you're, uh, th- this is going to be a really positive experience. And uh, we're just anticipating that as our kids team partners together now, with Sarah, we're just going to take leaps and bounds forward even further than we were at. And we believe in that. As we step into today, uh, everyone say rhythms. 
rhythms, that we're talking about rhythms, healthy rhythms in our lives. And this definition of rhythms is a strong and a regular repeated pattern, something that's continuing. You know, I mean, if, it, if, if it's just a, a beat for a temporary period of time, it's not a rhythm. It's not something that stays consistent, especially when we look at our lives. How many are thankful for the regular rhythm of your heart? Amen? If, you're, if your heart was, uh, was, was not regularly beating, you would have problems. There would be health issues. And so we're thankful for this regular rhythm. And so God comes and he goes, no, I want, I, I want to have rhythm in your life. There is a rhythm that I have designed as I designed creation and as I designed humanity. And there's a rhythm that I set up that would be honoring in your life as a spiritual human being. As we look at these rhythms, there's spiritual formation issues. There's the spiritual formation things that, that help us walk out our Christianity, that help us walk out our faith. But in our culture today, spiritually today, there's this thing called dissonance. This thing called noise, you know, we can say whether it's white noise or whatever, but I'm going to say it's not white noise, it's more of a harshness, a, a discord. It's not just a, 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 a droning of a noise, sometimes it's very alarming and startling. How many have recognized the dissonance in our culture? How many have experienced the dissonance in your own life as we walk through this? That's why Jesus is able to come and go, I come and I leave you with peace, this peace that the world will not understand. I'm coming, I'm bringing a rhythm to your life, a peace that will settle into your hearts and into your minds that the world can't comprehend it. And sometimes I'll say this, I think it's hard for you and I to comprehend it because we get so caught up in our culture, we get so caught up in the dissonance and the noise that we endeavor to do all these things on our own. And Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 11, our passage of scripture for this series, and he says, come to me. He doesn't just say, follow me. He says, come to me. Come to Jesus, myself. Come to me, all who are weary and all who are burdened. How many have felt a little bit of weariness and burdensome? Maybe just in the normalcy of life. And he says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in my heart. And I'll give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jesus is coming. He's going, hey, in a world of dissonance, in a world of noise, in a world of calamity, there is a rhythm that you can settle into with me. There's a rhythm beyond the understanding of humanity. How many of you have been to the doctor lately or within the last year? Or I guess maybe a lot of it's been online doctoring. But how many have ever gotten a prescription from a doctor before? And on that bottle that prescription, there is, please take with water, please take uh, with, with food, please take on an empty stomach, please take every four hours, please blah, 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 blah. As Rhonda and I have been going through the journey of cancer and chemo, she has had an onset of medicines that have filled the counter at times. There's a lot of prescriptions and there's a lot of directives on those bottles, she had to be wise to take those medicines the way that they specified. How many have realized that? If you take them wrong, something's going to happen. If you combine medicines where you should not combine them, you're going to have a problem. Thankfully, today, we have an empty cupboard of no longer medicines there. Uh, and we're thankful for that because God is victorious. Amen? But just as we go to the doctor for a prescription, can I tell you that Dr. Jesus, Dr. God, has a prescription for our lives? He has a medication that he gives us to say, are you weary? 
Yes. Are you burdened? Yes. Do you feel anxious? Yes. Whatever it might be, do you feel sick? There isn't a, there's a prescription for it. There's a medicine for it. And many times we are turning to a world to find our answers when God says, I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you. Will you do me a favor? I, I didn't bring my paper Bible up here, but if you have the Bible app, would everybody just like open the Bible app because I don't want to lift our phone and say, this is my Bible. But uh, have your Bible app and would you hold it up and say, I trust this book. Come on, I trust this book. In our current age, this is the book that we're looking at, the Bible. Maybe you have the paper copy and you go, no, I trust this book. Today, when we talk about the medicine that God has given to you and to I, he's talking, we're talking about this idea of the word of God, God's, God, God's word to us. Give me, I'm going to give you a couple Bible facts this morning. This Bible that we have is comprised of two parts, 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books. Written, over, uh, written by, over, by 40 writers over a period of 1,600 years. So I want you to, I don't know if you catch that or if that like strikes you or not, but how many can step back, step back in awe and recognize this challenge of 40 writers over 1,600 years span of time writing this book called the Bible that has a, has a, a, a has, has continuity from beginning to end. Continuity, the message of redemption. Prophesied in the Old Testament about a Jesus and Jesus shows up in the New Testament and then it goes that he, that he goes to heaven and then it continues on the story of how it's all going to end. I don't know if that makes you, what that makes you feel like today, but that should cause us to step back and realize there's something absolutely supernatural about the Bible. I don't, there's got to be something bigger than just men writing in a book. There are over 100 million copies of the Bible that are sold each year. The Bible is the most commonly stolen book in the world. They're saying predictable from, from uh, hotel rooms where Gideon's International has placed 1.8 billion copies since Gideon International's began. The Bible is the best-selling book in history with total sales exceeding 5 billion copies. Yeah, we live in a land of biblical illiteracy. We step back and we look at ourselves and go, no, I have a Bible. And no, I believe this Bible is true, but we don't know what the Bible says. No, I believe this Bible is true and I hold it unto myself and I cling to it, but do I read it? Do I practice it? Do I let it impact my life? Recent polls, more Americans now believe that the Bible is a book of fables and history than those who believe that it's the literal word of God. Gallup poll has said that fewer than a third of Christians say it, it's, it, it's to be taken literally. Over the past three decades, Americans' view of the Bible as the literal word of God has been declining, while their view that the Bible is a collection of fables, myths, and history recorded by man has been ever-increasing. Among all sampled Americans, fewer than one, one in four or 24% in total said that the Bible is actually the word of God and that it should be taken literally word for word. A significant higher 26% said the Bible is a book of fables, legends, history, and moral concepts that are recorded by a man or a person. While another 47% said they believe the Bible is inspired by God, not all of it is to be taken literally. 
When it comes to Christians, Gallup recorded that 30% in total agree that the Bible is the literal word of God. 54% said that it was inspired by God, but only 14% offered that it was a book of fables. So as we step back and we begin to look at this thing called the Bible that should guide our lives, that should direct our lives, that should give us how we live, our directions, the question that we have to come to is we have to ask ourselves, how does this impact me? Do I allow it to impact my life? Fewer than half of all adults can name the four gospel accounts. Many Christians cannot identify two or three of the disciples. 60% of Americans cannot name, the, name five of the Ten Commandments. 19% read every single day. 26% read a few times a week. 14% read once a week. 22% read at least once a month. 18% rarely read, rarely or never read it. And we think about the amount of Bibles that you and I possess. How many have more than one copy of Scripture? I don't want to tell you how many I have. But I ask you, where do you fall on the statistics? Where are you at? And today I don't want to come and I don't want you to feel condemned. I want you to come back and go, where am I at spiritually? Where am I being spiritually formed? What are the practices and the rhythms of my life that reveal how much I love God? That reveal how much I want to honor God? So today as we step into this concept, we're going to look at God's word and specifically not just the power of God's word, but how do we meditate upon the word of God? And we'll get there in just a second. The thing that I love about this is that God doesn't expect the same degree of Bible mastery from all people. Can I tell you today, I wish I was a theologian, but I'm glad that there are people that are so much smarter than me. And we oftentimes come and go, well, I don't know what you know. Can I tell you, it's your responsibility biblically is to study to show yourself approved. Not Kevin approved, but yourself approved. So it's your job to step in and go, am I approved? Do I understand how to rightly handle the word of God? Am I rightly handling the word of God? How many realize that it's not a destination that you get to, it's a progression that we must work through. When we neglect the reading of the Bible, we don't just miss knowledge, we miss God. If you are here and you're going, no, I love God, and you don't know his word, you don't know God. Wow, that's an abrupt statement. That's the reality. It's not just for knowledge. It's not just to go, do I know God's word? It's going, that's how I discover who God is. When we talk about the sure word of prophecy or how do we get to know him, we can be moved by emotions and prayer and worship. We can even be moved by the word of God. But if we're not allowing the word of God to come in and shape our lives and change us, how do you even know who God is? This book that reveals him from beginning to end. How do we understand the reckless love of God if we don't understand Genesis or Revelation? While there may be this high regard for scriptures, there seems to be a little recognition that the Bible is infallible and that it is this inerrant word of God. I oftentimes see that people will affirm the importance of scripture in their head, but they've not allowed that truth to sink into their heart. How many can be honest to say, I've been guilty of that? We can recognize the truth here, but we've not let it transfer down the 12 inches into our heart to change our lives. That's a process. For us, the church, to live by his word and allow it to shape us, we must recognize that it's true and we must assess it, access it, not just assess it, but we must access it. We must allow it access to us. 
passages of scriptures that you may be familiar with and we can automatically check out. And so I'm asking, would you please just lean into the power of the word of God today? Would you allow it to do what it's supposed to do in your life? Hebrews chapter four says this, for the word of God, everyone say the word of God. The word of God is alive. It has a heartbeat. It has a rhythm. It has a pulse. It is alive and it's active. It's not stalled. It's not just an ancient book that was written over 2,000 years ago or whenever it was written. It's this process. It's alive. It's active. The words that were spoken over 1,600 plus years of writing are still alive today. It says it's sharper. I won't say sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. Say it penetrates. Penetrates even dividing the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Can I tell you oftentimes we can go through life without an ounce of conviction because we don't even know what the word of God is trying to convict us of. We need to step back and go, God, search me. Allow the power of your word to do surgery on my heart, not just a mental ascension, but a heart change. A passage of scripture, whenever I talk about the word of God, I always have to read out of 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And I love it in the Amplified. And it says, and we also, this is Paul. He says, we also thank God continually for this fact, that when you receive the message of God, everyone say received. Do we receive the message of God when we come on a Sunday? Do we receive it when we read it? Oftentimes we come with speculation. And yes, we are to study to show ourselves approved. But there is a place in our lives that God just says, will you just receive the message that is there? Will you receive this word? He goes on, uh, when you received the message which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as words of mere men, but as it truly is the word of God, which is effectually at work in you who believe. Do you believe it today? Do you believe the word of God today? If you believe the word of God, are you putting your time into the word of God? Because it's effectually at work within you. It says it's exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to it. Those who adhere to it, those who stick to it, those who trust in it, those who put their confidence in it, those who rely on it to go, I am desperate for this. How many rely on breathing? Can I tell you as Christians, the word of God is breath to us. It is his breathing into our lives. And the term or the idea that we've got to come to of accepting is this next slide. The scriptures, both the Old and the New Testament, all 66 books of this book that we call the Bible are verbally inspired of God. They're the revelation of God to man. When we talk about revelation, we're saying, no, this book is a book that's filled with who God is. And if you want to know who God is, you've got to go to this book to find out who God is. The infallible, the authoritative rule of faith and conduct. This entire word of God is truth and should be the foundation of every decision and it should transform our lives. So as we hear these statements, we've got to come back and go, God, where do I fit? How does, this, how does your word fit into my life? God, am I in rhythm with your word? If we are believers in Christ today, if you are a follower of Christ today, you have to come to this this agreement to go, no, I believe that the Old Testament is not just filled with fables and history, that it is a book that has been inspired by God and God himself. Paul writes to Timothy 
In 2 Timothy, he says, but Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. Some of you are in this room and you've been raised up in a Christian home and you have been taught principles all your life. Some of you have not had the luxury of that. And some of you have come in in faith going, God, now I, just, I need to step in from what I, bit, what I understand. Paul's writing, Timothy's going, he's affirming this thing. You've been taught these things. You know that they are true for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from your childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation. How many are thankful for the wisdom to receive salvation? The power of the Holy Spirit has moved in our lives. We've heard a message, a a Bible verse, and God's word has touched us and we go, no, I recognize that I need Jesus. And then he says in verse 16, he says all scripture, everyone say scripture, all scripture, he's talking about the concept of everything that is, has been, he said everything that God has given has been inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true. When we talk about rhythms and we look at a culture that is, is confusing and a dissonance that is confusing, how do you know what is true? You go to the word of God. How do you know what is wrong as he goes on? You go, to the, you go to the word of God. How do you know what when we are wrong? You go to the word of God. How do you know how to get, get right? You go to the word of God. Amen. The word of God has to be this thing that sustains us and prepares us. But how do we allow it to have full impact in our lives? How do we allow this book that we call the inerrant word of God, this book of 66 books within it that has been written over a period of 1,600 years by 40 different authors. How do we allow it to penetrate our lives? Well, one, we need to read it, but I want to talk about something more than just reading it. I've titled my message today, Mind Your Mind. Everyone say, Mind Your Mind. When I talk about this idea of minding your mind, it's to control your thoughts that influence the way you live your life. Control your thoughts the way that you live, and it will impact the way that you live your life. Your mind, more specifically, your thoughts affects your perception and therefore your interpretation of reality. How many have perceptions about our world? How many ever get perceptions about a person? Can I tell you, rather than having just a perception that we just accept, we need to step back and go, is, what's the interpretation of this reality? We can jump to a lot of conclusions. The thing that I've realized is that before we can mind our mind, we have to realize that every single one of us within our mind have a bunch of squatters that are up there telling us what we should think and what we shouldn't think. We've got to recognize that there's false up here, false emotions, false reasonings. Anybody can recognize that today? That you have some false up here, some squatters that are trying to take control of how you think, that influence how you think, that influence how you perceive, that influence how you live your life. And we'd be ignorant to believe today that none of us have squatters because we're all influenced by this culture that we're living in. We're all shaped a little bit by the tension of this culture that we exist in. Oftentimes in my mind, the squatters that are familiar to me are anxiety Worry, overthinking, insecurity, fear. You could go on with the list. Anybody have any of those squatters that sometimes come into your mind? That try to shape who you are, that try to shift your thinking? What I've realized in this process of life is that you cannot change, you cannot, uh, j- just change what you're thinking. 
You have to replace what you're thinking. How many realize that today? If I say, hey, don't think about chocolate, don't think about lint truffles, don't think about the gooey, creamy center in the chocolate, you have to replace it with something, right? So there's sugar-free chocolate that tastes nasty. It's not just changing a thought, it's replacing a thought. And can I tell you today that there are thoughts that are bantering all of us, perceptions that are shifting and shaping our lives, that we have to step back and go, is this true? Is this reality? Is this what God has for my life? Today, the rhythm principle that I want to focus on is not just the Bible, reading the Bible, but more so meditation. Now, I can say this word of meditation and everyone can freak out going, mmm, and all the weird stuff that's come along with it. But can I tell you today that before the world has perverted meditation, God set meditation as a plan and a purpose in the Old Testament. There's this, there's this process in our lives. And so rather than getting freaked out about this idea of meditation, I want to speak to a spiritual rhythm of meditation. As we've looked at solitude, as we looked at Sabbath, as we've looked at prayer, spiritual formation comes about by this thing called meditation, meditating on God's word. This word meditation is to focus one's thoughts on to focus one's thoughts on. If we were to use a psychological term today, one that many of you probably are aware of or have heard, it would say, let's reframe. Everyone say reframe. reframe. Let's reframe our thinking. How many have heard the, heard the phrase reframe? Let's reframe this. That's a psychological term today. That's meditation that God's coming and going, no, I want you to reframe your thinking. I want you to think about it differently. This is a habitual process of training your mind to focus on and direct your thoughts, to mind your mind. Many would refer to it as a ruminating upon. I can, I'm going to give an illustration here and go ahead and put the next slide up. Uh, the, the cow who chews its cud. You're going, I don't want to be a cow that chews its cud. Can I tell you, this is meditation in a system, in a process. The ruminating upon, the spitting back up, this process of the cow going out to the pasture and chewing grass and swallowing it. And it goes back to the rumen with this big stomach and eventually it comes back up. It's regurgitated into the recticulum. There we go. Not the other part that I was going to say there. <laughs> and it comes all the way back out into the mouth and he chews it. Why? Because they cannot absorb the nutrients unless it's rechewed. They're too eager to eat. Too eager to consume. How many have ever, now I don't want to say that we want to do this on Thanksgiving, but how many have eaten so fast that you're like, oh, and you really haven't enjoyed the food? The cows are going through the process of going, I'm going to enjoy this. After I've gone out and gorged myself, I'm going to spit a little bit back up and I'm going to chew on it and I'm going to just sit there and get the nutrients out and then I'm going to re-swallow it. You say, Pastor Kevin, you're gross, but that's the reality of meditation. Can I tell you that today? It's an ingestion it's in a, a digestion, and it's an absorption of the Word of God. It's allowing the Word of God to be ingested. Can I tell you, if you don't go eat the Word of God, you'll never digest the Word of God? If you don't digest the Word of God, you'll never absor absorb the nutrients from the Word of God. That digestion process is this meditation, is this waiting on God, listening to what the Word of God says to you, that you can absorb the nutrients from it. I ask you, what are you chewing on? What are you ruminating over? 
What is it that consumes your thoughts? What is it that consumes your spare time? We can meditate on culture. We can meditate on the world's circumstances. We can meditate on politics and vaccines. We can meditate on troubles and calamities and cancer and COVID. We can meditate on social media and the latest news or what's wrong on planet Earth. All these meditations promote fear and anxiety and worry and mistrust. Stir us where we are paranoid or concerned. We live in an agitated state and all of us just go, can I go to a private island someplace and get away from humanity? Right? What you meditate on determines the outcome of your life. What you are ingesting, what you are digesting, what you are absorbing determines this outcome of our lives. Determines the shape of your thinking. Determines who you are as an individual. I found this quote this week, and I love it. Your mind is a garden. Your thoughts are the seeds. You can grow flowers, or you can grow weeds. How many realize that in your own life? Can someone, can you step back today and go, no, I see some flowers. Oh, my word, I see some weeds. This process of Bible ingestion and meditation is so vital to determine what you're growing, to determine even the seeds that you've allowed to be planted in your life. There are 12 science-based benefits of meditation. If you're here and want the practical, I'm just going to read them off real quickly. Number one, it reduces stress. This is what the science space, the medical, our, our secular medical field is saying. It reduces stress. It controls anxiety. It promotes emotional health. It enhances self-awareness. It lengthens an attention span. It reduces age-related memory loss. It generates kindness. Man, a lot of people in our culture need to be meditating more. It fights addictions. It improves sleep. It helps control pain. It decreases blood pressure. It's accessible anywhere. So if you're here and you're going, I need to see what's the practical of it, here's the practical. Do, do these sound appealing to you? Do any of these sound appealing to you? I look at all of them practically and go, no, I want all those. I want all those. But prior to this, prior to science stepping in, like I said, God from the beginning talked about this thing called meditation. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Everyone say day and night. A continual process in your life that it's not let go of. It's not just one day a week. It's not just when you feel like it. It's every day, every night that you step back and go, God, I'm meditating on your, on your law. So, so that you be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And you will, then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Psalms chapter 1 verse 2 says this, but his delight, I'm going to say delight. Kevin's delight is in chocolate, but it should be in the law of the Lord. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 63, 6. On my bed I remember. What is it that you think about while you're on your bed? What are you remembering as you're laying there trying to fall to sleep? Are you remembering what has happened wrong in the day? Are you worried about what's going to take place tomorrow? Are you, re- are you remembering the faithfulness of God? The psalmist says, I remember, on my bed I remember you. I think of of you through the watches of the night. Psalms 119, 48. I will lift up my hands to your commandments. 
which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Psalms 145.5, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. When we come and we worship the Lord, we're, we're stirring up his glorious splendors that we're remembering and we're thinking about those things. New Testament, Matthew 4, 4, Jesus himself said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. John 15, 7 says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Say, say my words abide in you. Say his word abides in me. When we step back and we say, God, your word abides in me, these aren't just words. We're saying, no, God, I'm aligning my life. I'm adhering to your word. I'm sticking to it. I'm trusting it. I'm relying on it. 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, do, yourself, do, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, who rightly handles the word of truth. Philippians 4.8 Paul writes a passage of scripture that we a lot have memorized. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, everyone say true. Whatever is honorable, say honorable. Whatever is just, say just. Whatever is pure, everyone say pure. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's anything excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, he says, think on these things. Now step back and do a mental search of what it is that consumes your mind. Are they, the, are they these eight items that Paul is writing about? I can tell you that I don't always think on true, honorable, and the list goes on. Mine can, my mind can be hijacked by what's taking place in life. My mind can be hijacked by a sense of anxiety or over, overwhelmingness. My mind can be hijacked by worry of what could happen. Paul is saying in this passage of scripture, you must choose what you ruminate over. You must choose. You must not just change your thought. You must replace the thought. You must come back to a place of going, God, what does your word say? And how do I shape my thought according to your word? Years ago, I remember previous pastors, mom and dad, who we were underneath, but originated from a, a nationwide pastor, whether you like the guy or not, but there was this, this uh, confession of God's word that I looked up this week. And maybe you're, if you've been part of the church for lots of years, you remember this. But I want you to hear these words, and I believe the truth that is here. It says, this is my Bible. My phone is my, not my Bible, but my Bible Bible app is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. I will boldly confess that my mind is alert and my heart is receptive and I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God. Can I tell you today that, yes, whether we like the guy that, that wrote it, whether we agree with his doctrine or his theology, can I tell you that this statement is not just a feel-good statement? This statement is power-packed. It comes back to this place of going, who should tell you who you are? God does. Did he not create you and design you? Did he not promise you promises? So therefore, the promises that are in words, God's word, they are what you can have. Did he not tell you what you could do, that he's the one that empowers you? You can, have, you can do what he says that you can do. We've watched it throughout the history of Scripture. 
today, whether you're in church or whether you're reading God's word, you're saying, God, I am open to being taught by the word of God. God, would you teach me today? Holy Spirit, will you come and be my teacher? And I come and I confess, this is our part. I confess my mind is going to be alert. I'm not going to check out. I'm going to pull my thoughts together. I'm going to transform my thoughts. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to give God's word honor where it needs to be honored. My heart is going to be receptive and I will receive it. And I love this, these, these adjectives, incorruptible, indestructible, ever living seed of the word of God. Remember the phrase, little poetry thing, what you're put in is either the flower or the weed? What seeds are you putting into your life? What seeds have you put into your life that you're going, no, that's not a good seed and I've given it too much attention and the, the weed has grown way too much in my life. Can I tell you the only way you're going to get rid of that weed? Yes, pull it, but you're going to have to replace it. You're going to have to start thinking differently. You're going to have to start patterning your life differently. We talk about taking medicine. We have to be cautious of how much medicine we take. There's a place that we have to not overdose. But can I tell you today, many of us don't overdose on God's word. There is no over, there, there, we underdose. We are underdosing in our lives the word of God. We're not allowing it to come in and do what it was intended to do. This meditation is the renewing of your mind with the word of God. It's this spiritual discipline that is creating emotional and spiritual space for God to come into our lives and do something supernatural. It's recognizing that this book that you and I hold dear to our lives is truth and it's inspired. That what it says is reality. What it says about you is reality. What it says about creation is reality. There's been an old term, an old method that's 1,600 years old. It has been passed down through church, uh, different church denominations, and it's actually a Latin term. It's called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina. Let's practice it today. Lectio Divina. When we look at this definition, it means divine reading. Divine reading, that when you step into the word of God, it's not talking about just a paper book. It's in relation to the word of God that we step in and it's a divine reading. It's reading with intent to hear. Reading with intent to yield. Recognizing that this book that you and I have is a living book. It's life-giving words. So I just want to walk really quickly through this process. Number one, what is this process? Reading, number one is reading. What does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? For meditation to work, you have to know what the word of God says, right? For you to be able to replace a thought, you've got to know what the word of God says. So it's taking a passage of scripture and reading slowly through a passage of scripture. Not trying to conquer it, not trying to dominate it, but allowing it to speak into your life. Reading slowly, noticing the words that speak to you in a particular way, whether it's positively or negatively, whether it's saying, bringing conviction or whether it's just wondering and curiosity. The second step of this Lectio Divina is meditation. What does the word of God say to me? It says what I can be. What is it it saying to me? After you slowly read, it steps into this process of chewing on the text, pondering its meaning, focusing on whatever part of text that you're drawn to, and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you through the process. Next, it comes to this aspect of prayer. 
What do I say to God in response to his word? Can I tell you that many times we can come and we can read a passage of scripture and that's where we stop. Well, I did my Bible reading check. Do we pause and wonder about the word of God? Do we let specific words rise up into our spirit and stick to us? Do you take opportunity to pray through the word of God, have a, God, have a conversation with God about the text that you've just read? Discovering how God addresses the individual through each text, sincerely having a conversation with him, talking about what is really in your heart. Number four is contemplation. No questions are here, just a humble and a grateful rest in the presence of God. Oftentimes when we talk about contemplation in our lives, we to think deeply about. The term contemplation from this process is not to think deeply about, but to rest in the presence of God deeply. After you've read, after you've meditated, after you've prayed, rather than going right immediately into to action on ourselves, we step back and go, God, what is it that you're going to do in my life from this? How am I going to let you shape my life from this? As humans, we are doers, are we not? We get a passage of Scripture, and we're going to conquer the Scripture rather than allowing the God, Spirit of God to conquer us through the Scripture, to do the work. Remember when we talked, as Pastor Larry talked last week, about this yoke that is easy, this burden that is light. Many of us address the Word of God and going, I've got to, I've got to. There's got to be a Holy Spirit moment that we just step in and say, God, will you do this in me? It is living and it is active. God, would you be alive in me with the power of your word? God, I release it. I give it permission to do in me what it needs to do. Would you convict me where I need to be convicted? Will you shape me where I need to be shaped? Too often we come back and go, no, it's my power. Yes, you have a power of choice, but there's also a power of surrender. There's a power of submission to the power of of God's word. The next step is repetition. Where was I most moved in my reading and my prayer? So you walk away from it after contemplation, and the next day you're going, man, I'm really stressing. I'm really feeling anxious. I'm feeling in turmoil over the situation. You go back and repeat. You go back to that passage of Scripture, and you go, what were the nuggets that brought peace to my heart? And then lastly, we go to a place of action. What am I resolved to do now that I have received the Word of God? I'm going to close today with Psalms 23. I want us to take a moment to practice this principle. I want us to take a moment. I don't want to rush it. I want to actually read this, these verses together, these, verse six, these the six verses together. And I want us just to take a moment to say, God, what is it that you're speaking to me? You know what I love about this passage of Scripture, what I love about this chapter is this chapter is a psalm of confidence. Confidence in who you know God is. And I want some of you, maybe you're here and you're going, I don't, I don't even know that passage. I don't even understand that passage. Today I want you to begin to ponder this passage. So would you read with me? Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you just read that passage of Scripture on your own now? Would you just look at those words? Read through the chapter once again. As you've read through it, what are the words that stand out to you? What are the significant phrases? The Lord, my master, is my shepherd. My shepherd, he provides for me, he guides me, he directs me. My shepherd's such a good shepherd, I lack nothing. Everything I have need of, he is there and he provides it for me. He causes me to rest in lush, peaceful pastures. He replenishes my soul along the quietness of the water brook. He guides me on those paths that are right for his namesake because he is I am God. He is my deliverer. He's promised to walk with me and to never leave me or forsake me. And even though I walk through dark valleys, even though we go through circumstances that are impossible to bear, our shepherd, his presence is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He brings comfort with his staff and he brings protection with the rod. And there's a significant transition in this, pa- in this passage of Scripture. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The writer of the Psalms, as he begins to write this passage of Scripture, what I want you to grasp is that he's talking about, I'm just a shepherd, and it's he that's doing all this. And then it shifts from a recognition of who he is to go, no, you are this in my life. Can I tell you, that's a level of maturity that all of us come to. In verse 5, it says this, you prepare a table. God, you come in the middle of my circumstances, in the middle of my dark valley, in the middle of my dark situations. You prepare that table before us. In the midst of our enemies, in the midst of calamity, we can be at rest, we can be at peace. You know, in my head with oil, Oil is significant to anointing. God, you give me power and grace and ability to walk through what I'm walking through. God, not just enough, but your eye cup overflows. Surely this goodness of God and this love of God, this mercy of God, Because you are my shepherd and I lack nothing. Because you are my shepherd and you see to every detail of my life. 
These character traits follow me. kind of do the meditate pray there all at one time but then we step back and we say okay God I rest in this I rest in the power of your word I rest in the reality of your word I rest in the character of who you are I rest in the fact that this is what you are doing for me you're doing in my situation in my circumstance Would you just take a moment and thank him for the identity that he brings in this passage of scripture? God, I thank you for the identity that you provide for us. The uniqueness that you call us to, this assurance that each of us have. Now, church, I want you to look at me. The passage of Scripture that is life. I can speak to this passage of Scripture with a lot of conviction because this Scripture is a Scripture that's part of my heart. This Scripture is when I begin to feel anxious and I begin to feel worried and I'm laying in bed and I can't sleep, I begin to walk through. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my security. He's the one that I don't have to watch over myself. He's watching over me. I don't have to provide. He's providing. He has it all. And can I tell you, as I feel the anxiety throughout a day or the stress or the franticness in life, the scripture begins to pop up in my spirit and I begin to quote it and there's this supernatural peace that begins to settle. Why? Because it's the power of this word. It's the life of this word. It's the activity of the word of God in my heart that's bringing identity to Kevin. And then I have to go back and I have to look at my life and go, God, what steps of action do I need to take as a result of this? The action that I come back to oftentimes is just the contemplation to go, God, I rest in the truth of your word. God, I rest in the truth of your word. Church, there are 66 books in the Bible that are filled with truth and life and freedom and inspiration and deliverance and healing and redemption. And if we don't partake of them, we're missing out on something so vital in our lives. Why has your life been in crisis? It's not because God's a bad God. God's a good God. It's because we've not been putting ourselves in the position to receive his word for him to speak the life over us. Across this room, would you just lift your hands? God, today, we thank you for the power of your word. God, we confess today that it is inerrant, that it is without error, that it is infallible, that it is your truth, that is what shapes our lives. 
And God, we confess today that we can have what it says we can have and we can do what it says we can do. God, today I pray for a supernatural hungering and thirsting for your word. God, that we would be not numbered, we would not be the people numbered among the biblical illiterate, but we would step in to go, God, help me to practice your truth. God, this simple little process of divine reading. God, where we read and we meditate and we pray and we contemplate. And we step back in and we repeat it once again. And God, today, sometimes that action is something that's going to call us to and how we live and the choices that we make. And sometimes that is just a settling to go, God, I rest in the power of your word. God, today we rest in the power of your word. God, I pray that you would begin to just search our hearts and our lives as we address this area in our lives, this rhythm of meditation. And God, we thank you for the power of your word in us. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing before you go. I don't know your individual and individual circumstances. I don't know what it is that you're battling today. I've picked out a scripture that speaks to my heart and I think it speaks to everyone in the sense that it is a psalm of confidence that we can have confidence in the power of God. But throughout the entirety of that book that we love and we adhere to, there is a subject for every need in your life. And where you are struggling, my challenge to you today, challenge to you today, this week, is to step in and go, God, what is the passage of Scripture that speaks to my circumstance? Maybe it's a circumstance of a relational issue. Maybe it's a circumstance of forgiveness. Maybe it's a circumstance of love. Can I tell you? Maybe it's a married, marital issue. Maybe it's a, a child issue. God's Word is complete in every facet of life. And if you've been trying to do it on your own and you've been having your own perceptions and your own concepts, would you step in and go, God, what is your concept on this? How many will receive that challenge this week? Whatever it is in your life that you'll step back and go, I'm just going to pick a verse, whether it's one verse, whether it's three verses, and I'm just going to begin to meditate on this verse. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you can hold me to it. If you do it and you regularly repeat it in your mind and in your heart, your life will begin to adjust. Your thinking will begin to produce flowers and not weeds. Thank you for coming today. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have an amazing day. Our prayer team's coming across the front. If you need prayer today, would you allow them to pray for you? We believe in the power of prayer. God bless you. See you tonight at Trunk or Treat. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.